Hey friends, welcome back to another episode. In today's podcast, we're going to be talking about some of the most critical issues facing print companies right now. So if you're in the print industry or if you employ print in one way or another, this is something that I think we really need to talk about. What we found is that there are three pressing issues that are impacting print companies right now as a result of COVID-19. And so in this podcast, we're going to step through those three things. And you're actually going to hear from a panel of folks that are in the print industry. That includes Joanne Gore. She's the president of Joanne Gore Communications. Mike Robinson, who we've had on the podcast before. He's from Summit Direct Mail. Andrew Edinger, who's also been on the podcast. He's the CEO of The Best Postcards. And we have Mackenzie Linder. She's the director of sales and demand generation here at Mindfire. And Lita Wood, vice president of customer success, also here at Mindfire. And so this is a panel discussion where we go deep into these three issues that are impacting print companies and anyone consuming print. For that matter, this is impacting companies that are even outside the print industry. Those are things like supply chain and inflation, the great shakeup of employees, and the fact that it's very important right now, but also extremely difficult to protect our clients, to protect the revenue that we already have with all of these pressures that are going on. So I think at least one of those things is likely impacting you right now, even if you don't realize it. So you need to listen to this episode, hear the insights and the ideas and the tactics that these practitioners give you, whether it's Joanne, Mike Robinson, Andrew, Lita, McKinsey, they all bring a different perspective on these issues. And I think you're going to find something that will help you in your business. Let's jump right into the conversation. for attending today. Uh, today, what we're going to be talking about is, you know, a very set of pressing issues that are impacting our industry. And so if you're here in the room today, if you're on Zoom or if you're in LinkedIn, I suspect that one, at least one of these issues is impacting you. So welcome to Al and Warren who are here. And what it's what it feels like these days, this is a meme that my wife sent me as I was preparing for this, what it feels like these days, and it's not just for us millennials, I'm on the tail end of that. I don't even know if I can call myself a millennial, but this is true for all of us. And it sounds cliche, but the last few years have been crazy, right? You wake up in the morning, you're like me, you grab your cell phone, you check out the news, and it's like, man, what new crisis are we going to live through today? And at some point, you're like, man, enough is enough, right? But these issues that we're talking about today, these are the things that are impacting the print community and so we want to have a dialogue with you today uh, and include the panel to get some unique insights into how folks are addressing these challenges. What we're hearing, folks, what we're seeing as we work with hundreds of service providers and print companies around the, the nation and around the world is that COVID-19, and again, this is going to sound cliche, we all know this, but COVID-19, the pandemic, was the catalyst behind so much change. And what we're seeing is that's resulting in three pressing issues. Firstly, supply chain and inflation struggles. Second, what we're calling the great shakeup of employees. And I'm gonna to describe to you, we're gonna to describe to you what we mean by that. And then thirdly, issues around how do you protect your clients and revenue? And so that's what we're gonna be diving into today with the panel that we've assembled here that you see here on the screen that I'm gonna introduce you to in Zoom here. But we've selected this panel because we think they have insight, but there's many of you here who are in the audience right now who should also be on this panel. Let me introduce the panel to you. I'm gonna go left to right here. As you see them here on your screen, first up is Joanne Gore. Joanne is the president of Joanne Gore Communications. She's a B2B marketer that I think you're gonna find is really passionate about print. She has spent the last three decades, you wouldn't believe it by looking at her, of course, but she's been helping companies for over 30 years, software, hardware, print, manufacturing companies around the world, stretch their marketing dollar with programs that generate customer engagement. So Joanne, thanks for being here today. 
It is my pleasure, Dave, always. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. And the next up is Mike Robinson. He's the director of business development at Summit Direct Mail. And along with John Barber, Ben Shank, and around 200 other committed team members, they've grown Summit to over 45 million. That number is probably too small at this point here, uh, Mike. Maybe you can correct me. Uh, they were founded in 2003. They offer innovative print, mail, and digital marketing services to their clients. Mike, thank you for being here. How are you? I'm good. Appreciate it. Yeah, it's probably closer to 60 now. But yeah, it's we're growing. And like I said, I'm glad to be here. And Andrew Edinger is next up here on the list, CEO of The Best Postcards. He's created one of the fastest growing print companies. They were founded in late 2019 and have consistently grown since that point, including through the pandemic. They're seeing around 20% month over month growth right now, despite the challenges that we're talking about today. And they're applying their unique direct mail product to home services, home improvement, uh, contractor markets, and uh, just doing an incredible job. Andrew, how are you today? Great, thanks for having me on, I appreciate it. Thank you for being here. We appreciate you. Uh, and then Mackenzie, who is uh, up in the upper right-hand corner. I'm going to move my head out of the way there so you can see her. Mackenzie is the Director of Sales and Demand Generation here at MindFire. She's one of our key executives responsible for helping clients join the family. So that's print companies and agencies. And under her leadership, she's responsible for bringing them into the family. And she gets to see up close the challenges that many of you are facing here on a daily basis. Mac, thank you for being here. Hi. Thank you for, be for having me. And last but not least, certainly is Lita Wood. You see in the lower right-hand corner there, she's the Vice President of Customer Success. And along with Joe Manos and many others here at MindFire, Lita's responsibility is around helping our clients grow. And, that, and these days, that's really summarized as helping our print clients drive more print, generate more print. Of course, that's challenged by the things we're talking about today, but I think you're going to hear some unique insights from her about what we're picking up from our clients and how we're helping them grow that will give you some new ideas. So Lita, thank you for being here. How are you? There you I'm go. doing great. Awesome. Thank you. And in case we haven't met, I'm going to pull my big old head back up here on the screen. I'm Dave Rosendahl, president and co-founder here at MindFire. It's my honor to serve all of the people that you see here on the screen. The reason our organization exists is to serve you and to serve our staff and most importantly, to serve our clients. And then occasionally I get to moderate exciting sessions like this to bring the community together to work on these tough challenges. So that's your panel. But before we go on, Mackenzie, I'm going to throw this at you first. Help people understand the lens through which we at MindFire see the world so that they can understand some of the context and some of the ideas that you and Lita are going to be throwing out from the MindFire perspective. And folks, we're not here to sell you anything. That's not our goal. We're here to bring you the best of what we're learning. But I think it's important that you understand the vantage point through which we're looking at the print industry. So Mackenzie, who is MindFire and how do we see the conversation that we're looking at today? Yeah, absolutely. So you can see a little description here on the screen, but ultimately what we aim to do is help print organizations or service providers, maybe you're an agency that highly leverages print, help you create and develop innovative marketing solutions, both for your organization and for your clients that really leverage print and drive print. So print plus digital solutions. And again, the goal here is to help you create these solutions, launch them for your customers and enable you to protect and grow your revenue over long-term. Very good. And so you have a little description here of what it is we do. As you saw in the previous slide, we talk about opti-channel. And so a lot of people have heard cross-media, omni-channel, multi-channel, right? You hear this many different ways. The reason why we came up with opti-channel is because we believe that every single person, no matter what they do, they have a preference in how they communicate. And if you want to get in front of them, you need to find them natively where they hang out or where they spend their time. And so the place that you market to a uh, B2B person might be different 
if you're working for a brand that's trying to communicate with a certain consumer base. And so we're all about OptiChannel, short for optimal channel, so that we can empower you to reach and engage your audience no matter wherever they hang out so that you can help create that relationship. Very good. All right. I forgot to put that last bullet on the screen there for you, but I think you summed it up well. So that's the vantage point through which we're looking at the industry here, folks. And so right uh, now, without further ado, we're gonna get into the meat of the discussion. And as I mentioned to you at the start, the first pressing issue that we're seeing, and I think almost universally reflected in the chat is the issue of supply chain and then also closely tied to that inflation struggle. You know, it's funny, I was thinking back to how I have kind of uh, helped this conversation together with Lita and Matt come together. And a few weeks back, I did this poll on LinkedIn and I asked folks, how are you compensating for a lack of paper? And that's, I know, something that a lot of you are struggling with. And 24% said they're partnering with other printers. 23% said they're selling more digital marketing. McKinsey, I think you have an anecdote about that. 30%, the largest number here, said that they're dealing with it by crying. Drew, I don't know, you and I have had some lengthy conversations about this. I think you can probably relate to that. This is a tough issue. 30% of, of your peers, I think they're joking a little bit, but I know there's also some sincerity there. This is a tough challenge. So let me first turn to you, Joanne. As you work with printers, what's something you see them doing to address the supply chain issues and perhaps the inflation struggles as you work with a variety of different printers across uh, North America? What are you seeing? Thanks, Dave. There's a couple things. First and foremost, I see a lot more printers working together. You know, we're seeing it in the chat. Somebody needs something. Oh, we've got something. Let's work together. And, you know, I really like the whole idea about printers helping printers. That's what we're here for. There is a lot of work out there. And if we can all get together and help each other out, it will only serve to grow our industry uh, more. So that is absolutely one thing I'm seeing. The other area that I'm seeing is some are taking a little bit of a shift in their go-to-market strategies. So they might not be able to fulfill new orders or new jobs, but they can certainly still maintain previous client volumes. So it turns into a client retention go-to-market strategy versus a net new lead gen strategy. And it's a tremendous opportunity to really dig in and show customers how much you care and how you're there for them and work with them, much like we did at the beginning of the pandemic, where we all reached out, how are you doing? You know, we're here for you. It's a different conversation, but it's still the opportunity to say, how are you doing? We're here for you. There's a lot going on. We don't want you to be worried about it. And both of those approaches, I think, are advantageous for any business, particularly the print business. Mike, I know you and I have had a lot of discussions about the different supplies and, and things that you're needing. And I know when I read the message from LinkedIn, you nodded your head about envelopes. So how are you dealing with the supply chain issues? Well, we are partnering with other printers that have potential paper. For us, it, it's certain components of paper, like envelopes are a challenge for everybody. So envelopes is a big challenge. But then, you know, I've got enough letter paper to do eight and a half by 11 letters, eight and a half by 14 letters, but I don't have envelopes. So we're trying to reach out partners, see what we can do there. The, the challenge is trying to move a client, not necessarily out of digital, but maybe to a different substrate, a different program. You know, it's, you know, I can print letters, but I can't print the envelopes. Hey, let's look at self-mailers. Well, I can't do self-mailers because I'm limited on allotment to 100-pound gloss cover, things of that nature. So, you know, it, it's. I think we've probably turned down 
And, and Joanne hit it on the head. I think we've probably turned down, I don't know, 50 or 60 million pieces over the last three to four months, wow. just simple because we can't get it. But now what we're doing is trying to keep our current existing clients happy the best we can. As much as we'd like to ramp up volume even more, it's getting more and more difficult. So yeah, we are taking care of our current customers, making them plan months in advance. You know, with envelopes being in short supply and having to order three and four months out, they're having to pay more because I'm having to order blank envelopes. And then once I order blanks, then I got to go back and reprint teaser copy, you know, logos, things of that nature. So it's a challenge and we're just trying to kind of limp through it right now. I just, hopefully it'll end soon. I don't see it ending soon, but I hope it will. I'm going to go to you, Drew, next, but I want to read something that Laurent on uh, LinkedIn just said. Laurent said, I suppose that supply chain can protect revenue when small and key accounts are in the same flow. Small can get best prices on paper, for example. Laurent, interesting point there. Drew, I know, again, you and I have had conversations about this. So we heard from Mike. We heard from Joanne. Now, from your vantage point, as you talk to uh, customers, how are they addressing the supply chain issues? And are there any insights or ideas that you can share with everyone here? Yeah, so it's interesting because I saw in the chat prior to like when we were getting wound up that a few people talked about envelopes and I actually had a conversation with a client this morning. So there's two things regarding supply chain inflation. Number one is people are saying, A, I can't get stuff and B, even if I can, potentially the prices are too high where it's not going to be the best or optimal solution for our customer, right? So today we were talking about uh, this customer who does healthcare surveys on behalf of um, some healthcare organizations. And typically what they do is they have a printed survey, they put them in these very specific envelopes, they send them out to recipients, that person you know, flags it and, and sends it back. And they said, look, our customer just can't afford to do it. And the envelopes that we were supposed to get are now gonna come in June, what do we do? And so, the whole point here is that as we think about these challenges, we as service providers need to be willing to diversify and create solutions that may not be what we normally do, right? You have to look outside of what we do every single day. And so with this organization, we came up with a digital response. So they're gonna be using a variable QR code. Now it is in healthcare. So one of the things that customer was worried about was the data security, right? So what they're doing is they're creating a unique identifier on the page, there is gonna be no ask for any information. The personalized landing page is not gonna have their name or anything associated with the individual, but it's going to be a unique identifier that on the back end they'll match up. Person gets their print, they scan to go to the survey, they fill out their survey, submit, and that data is going to be collected and aggregated and be sent to them every single day in a report. And so the interesting thing is we came up with a solution and the customer then said, well, going forward after we do it for this, new, this next launch, we wanna provide this option for all of our surveys going forward. Mm. So not only is it a solution to their challenge right now, but it opened up the door for opportunity for downstream projects to expand the, the services and the programs that they're uh, running for that customer. So this was a printer, Mackenzie? Yes, printer. Okay, mm -hmm. very good. Joanne's saying, I love that QR codes are creating digital experiences. Did you just make up that word, Joanne? I did not digital. make up that word. I've been using no? that word actually since before the pandemic. I, I, wow. I stumbled into it and it's really where you blend the physical and digital world. So we're comfortable in digital. You get something with the QR code that's physical. Now you scan it, takes you back to digital. That's a digital experience. I love it. I love that's it. I just learned something. Yeah. Alicia is saying not everyone can use a QR code. Older folks in healthcare systems or in general have an issue trying to do things online. Interesting, Alicia. Yeah, there's always a good counterpoint to that. So, Lita, before we move off this question, let's talk supply chain and inflation struggles from the vantage point that you have here inside of Mindfire. What are you seeing folks do to address this? 
Well, let, let me just close something that Mackenzie was just saying, actually. So especially for our printer friends, because as you're moving to digital, one of the things I see this inside too, is that printers are still thinking print and still thinking about making money on print. And so as we're talking to them about better serving their customers in the short term, to Mackenzie's point, the customer might like that as a long-term solution. However, you know, I spent time with a customer yesterday that what we basically did was come up with a similar solution, but the print that did happen was significantly higher value. So the printer didn't lose out in the end on their margin and their print because the print that it was coming off of the deal was actually less print, but much higher margins. So it's just a way of looking at the market differently. And then obviously they can always go back to printing to inspire that at the beginning again at any time. So I just wanted to kind of think through that. So that's one of the things we're really spending our days talking to customers about. What are their issues? How do we help them? How do we help them think differently? And I feel like my buyer spends, you know, really our job is to help you come up with innovative marketing solutions that help you keep your business running and help your customers be more successful. It often drives more prints. And in this marketplace right now, it's helping you to retain those customers until you can get to those print volumes again. Before we move off of this question, Mike, I'm going to go back to you for a second here, Mike Robinson. Um, how are you looking at passing price increases on to your clients? How do you look at doing that and how are you doing that? Transparency. I mean, everybody knows, I mean, gas price, everything's going up. We're just having that difficult discussion and just saying, look, guys, everything costs more. I mean, I have to go to the point where I'm actually sending the mill letters from, you know, IP or Domtar or whoever directly. I'll forward to my customers and it says, hey, paper is going up six to 9%. So we've got to pass that across. So we're just open and honest, you know, and it's just getting, you know, it's, everything's getting more expensive and you have to be transparent, especially with your customers, because they're going to, the challenge is, is it's not like they can go and go somewhere else because of all this paper and all this allotment and the price increases. If they think that they can go to another vendor and do it possibly, but more than likely not, because for us, we are actually allocated a certain amount of stock for the existing customers we have. So if, I get a new customer, the likelihood of getting paper for that, maybe might not get it. So if someone probably wants to leave, whether it's me or somewhere else and go somewhere else, it, it's difficult. So you got to be open and honest and say, guys, here's what's happening. You know, once it comes down, you know, we'll, we'll relook at pricing, but this is what it is right now. And if you want this, if you want this mail, this is what you have to pay. And sometimes, you know, we do a lot of stuff, roll fed, roll fed is a lot cheaper than sheet fed. And sometimes we have to go to a sheet fed solution, which costs more money. And we have to yep. tell them that and say, guys, here's your options. Either you don't do it or you pay this cost. And, you know, sometimes they don't do it and sometimes they understand and, and deal with it. The next issue that we are talking about here today, the second stressor, if you will, is what we're calling the great shakeup of employees. And so this is an issue that's comprised of a few things. Losing key people either on your end or even at a client's location or the difficulty that we have in finding good people. So I'm going to go to you first, Joanne. How are resignations, the great resignation and the shakeup that we're talking about here, how are you seeing that impact the printers that you're working with? It's interesting because I've always taken an approach where I can help companies, printers, manufacturers when they have a marketing deficit. So the fact that's been sort of magnified right now does not change my approach in the sense that I know how hard it is to hire the right people. I sat in that corporate marketing seat for 30 years, 
being that team of one that really should have been seven, trying, you know, working with elastics and bubblegum just to get a bunch of stuff done. And I learned that you can't rush a new hire, no matter what the role is. But if you can have somebody who understands that role and can help you while you look for that hire, then that just lets you focus on the other areas of your business that need attention. So what I like to do is say whether, you know, if you need a set of eyes or you need somebody to run your marketing team, or you went from three people to one person, or now, you know, that person who was working from home decided they like their side hustle more and they're not coming back or they're coming back part-time. There are ways that you can maintain and in fact, grow your marketing when you work with partners, again, it could be other printers who have marketing team. It could be other agencies. It could be consultants like, you know, or agencies like us, where we basically become your virtual team. There are ways that you can supplement that hire while you wait or find that perfect hire. And I, I realize it doesn't work for every single role, especially, you know, certain manual labor. I totally get it. But when you're talking about sort of marketing departments, marketing teams that really need to help you grow your business, the last thing you want to do is have to learn, oh no, now I have to figure out how do I change something on the back end of my website? Oh, I have to figure out how to post on LinkedIn now. Oh, holy crap. We have a newsletter that hasn't gone out in two months. All of this stuff adds up and there's just, you've got enough crap on your plate. So sometimes it's okay to just ask for a little bit of help until you get through. And, and that's really what I try and do is just add that lending hand. And I see it working really well long before the pandemic and long after we get through this hurdle, it's going to be an ongoing thing. People move, people get pregnant, people decide that they're changing jobs, whatever it is, people move around. So you have to have a backup plan. So Mike, I know even going back probably six months, you and I, you, you were sharing with me like how it's difficult. You've tapped out the pool of people in areas around where your plants are located, where your offices are located. You're having a heck of a time finding people. So has it gotten better? Has it gotten worse? Where do you stand in terms of being able to find people right now? I actually was going to make a comment to Dave, to, to David Murphy's comment, but I'll let you go because you know my opinion on that. I'm probably one of the exceptions on this for the most part, but so we've done a couple of things. Yes, yes, we are. It's getting a little bit better. We are finding people. The challenge is good people. You know, a lot of people leave. They get, they want to go to Amazon and make 25 bucks an hour, but it doesn't last long. For whatever reason, Amazon is, a, from what we're hearing, is a terrible place to work for a long period of time. And they're leaving and coming back and doing things. You know, whether that's true in all places, but around where we are, we've seen people come and go. What we've had to do is, is kind of a positive is in order to fix the labor situation, we've invested in more technology. And, you know, for example, inserters, you know, the swing arm inserters used to go at 5,000 an hour. We're now buying inserters that go 15 to 20,000 an hour. So for every, you know, for every, you know, three swing arm inserters, I can have a single insert that has two people on it versus six. We're, you know, embracing the inkjet webs where it's, you know, print on demand, high speed, you know, 700 feet a minute type stuff you know, high-speed cutters, folders. One, it's going to help us be competitive in the world. And two, it's going to keep us from not worrying as much about employees. We can do the same with less employees. Obviously, we still need more, but it is helping. You've built an incredible culture, Drew. As I've come to get to know you over the past many years, you've hired some incredible people. You have an incredible team around you. What's it like finding talent right now for you? And kind of how are you navigating that at this point? So we're pretty fortunate because we have 
basically had no turnover whatsoever. We've learned long ago what we preach to our clients and, you know, it's top-down leadership. So we've instituted profit sharing, no hierarchy, empowerment, no micromanagement, no yelling, no screaming. But really when somebody comes along, the theory is don't pass on good talent because eventually when you look back at all the salaries of all the people who you hired that that didn't work out and you said, wow, I have $400,000 in the book of last year of people who are no longer with me, it would be better off to pay 70 grand for that person instead of the 55 that you try, you know, find that right person and pay them more because they will save you 10 times more the amount of money by not passing on good talent. Amazing. Mac, what about you? What are you seeing within our clients as people come into the family? How are they handling this issue of a great shakeup of employees? Yeah, so when you pose the question, you kind of pose two things, right? One is how do we as employers retain and, and attract um, talent? Yep. The other one is, well, this is also happening at our customers. So I'm going to take the, the latter angle since we had some voices on the first angle. What I'm talking about is, let's say you've been in business for 40 years. You've always had one or two key contacts at your clients. So think back to all the clients. Do you have one or two relationships that they were the one always ordering the print? They, you uh, developed that relationship and now that person's gone or now that person's in another role. And now you're not sure how to get in contact with them. The new people that are there don't know that you're the provider that does all the work. And so the, what I'm talking about is the other way, which is, okay, how do I deal with my customers turnovers at their organization. So this is kind of a weird answer, but I think that what we as organizations need to realize is that this all comes back to marketing and going what I call wide in an organization. If you as a, a provider or a vendor of a customer work with one person and that's the only person who knows you, right? Or maybe one or two, and it's been the same person, quite frankly, you're vulnerable at that point, right? Yeah. You need mm -hmm. to extend beyond that one key contact, that two key contacts, and you need to start to develop a deeper relationship at that organization. And that comes back to marketing, getting visible in front of more people at your clients. Do that on things like LinkedIn. Take the time to maybe go out there or send something, use video, or just start to develop awareness and a relationship with more people because the more people that you're able to build a relationship with, the less vulnerable or susceptible you are if one or two people leaves, which we know is happening, right? This whole section is about the shakeup of employees. So this is inevitable. Right. And so it's our job to not, you know, we can cry about it or we can just do what we can to market our organization, get deeper in them, in our clients and help them not to mention this is also counterintuitive. Marketing your organization is going to help you attract good talent. And yeah. what I mean by that is if someone's thinking, should I join company A, B, C, or D? Again, people have choices and they go online and your company has kick A marketing and you're out there on social and they see, wow, this is an innovative organization. I want to be a part of that culture versus another brand who doesn't have social presence, who isn't communicating. They can't see anything. About which company do you think they're going to join? Right. So leverage your marketing to go wide in your customers' organizations and to attract good talent. There you go. <laughs> Lita, what are your thoughts? Yep. Okay. I'm going to expand on what Mackenzie just said for again, but for a different reason. I think it's an opportunity. And, and the reason I say that is because I think that printers, if they have marketing capabilities or they have the partners to do that, a Mindfire, a Joanne, a David Murphy, all of these folks who are out there that they can partner with. They can actually go in and say, hey, I heard you lost your marketing person, or I noticed you lost your marketing person and you're not printing right now. Do you need some help? 
you know, can I come in and, and help you? And so I actually see it as an opportunity to go into those clients, as Mackenzie was saying, and to tell them, you know, should you lose support or help, at least in your marketing organization, that, that we can help with that. We can't help in the printing side, Mike, but, you know, at least from a marketing perspective, we can step in and do that. So, right. Well, you know, before we move on to the next question, David Murphy in the chat, as Mike alluded to and I mentioned, uh, dropped something that I want to get your input on. So I want everybody in LinkedIn, I want everybody in Zoom to give their opinion on this. And I think I'm going to simplify it uh, so that we can just get a, a general read for what David said here. So David said, more businesses are embracing the remote, global, contracted workplace. If people do not need to be in the office, they can be anywhere. So here's my question to you, and I'm going to simplify it. Work from home. Is it good or is it bad? And I know that's a general simplification of the situation. I understand there are many nuances, but let's hear the contrasting view, the representative of that view, Mr. Mike Robinson. Go ahead, sir. So I struggle every day. We all struggle every day with employees and shakeups and everybody thinks the answer is working remote. I, I have more challenges daily with the working remote than anything else. I mean, it might be just me. You know, obviously, as a production facility, we have to have employees at the office, right? That is what it is. You can't run an inserter or a web press remotely. But the people that potentially can work remote, the challenge is most people, I say most, again, the ones that most people that I work with, so I can caveat that, aren't disciplined enough to work from home. I am so sick and tired of people's cats and their kids and all this stuff in the background, if you don't think that is distracting for someone to do their job, you're wrong. You're absolutely wrong. You know, you putting that stuff aside, just the sheer collaboration of people together on a whiteboard. Dave, how many times have I been to your shop or been to your offices and sat down and we whiteboarded things and probably got things cleared out 10 times faster? Thousands, yeah. So the, the problem is, if people were disciplined enough, you might be right. But I'm telling you, more people that I'm working with, maybe you are an exception, Andrew, and maybe you don't have that problem. But I'm telling you, the working from remote to, with most of the people who aren't disciplined is, for me, is a lot worse. Let's hear what they're saying. David's saying, hire responsible people, Mike, and hold them accountable for results. They don't need to take up space in an office. David says, commuting is distracting. Brian is saying, Mike, you can whiteboard in Zoom, dude. Howard Levitt, Canada's leading labor lawyer, says that productivity declined by 21% as a result of remote work. Also, in my view, collaboration and ideation mostly disappear. So, Mike, that's similar to your view there. Michael says, it depends on the person in the job. I work in an office by myself with the door shut. My significant other works at home perfectly. It's the person. There is no easy answer. I would agree with that. It just... I mean, we're having people, we actually have people leave. I talked to another printing company that they allow their customers, they allow their CSRs to work remote and they're working remote, not even in the industry anymore. So it is a challenge. It is a different, it is a difficult uh, question. Everybody has their opinions. I mean, most, a lot of yep. these people based on some of these comments, you know, we've been very successful doing what we've been doing for a long time. We do have people, we have data processing people that work remote and it works well. Some Where does your number one salesperson work, Mike? That's just out of curiosity. Does he work in the office or at home? He works. He works at home. But again, he's a sales guy, Dave. He gets paid on production. He doesn't. He get if he doesn't do anything. If he doesn't do anything, he's not getting paid. You know, yep. a lot of these people don't get paid on performance. If they did, it might be a different story. And and so I'm in an office every single day. Like I said, it's it depends on the person. But I can tell you, I have more challenges with us 
with some of this remote stuff than not. And again, we do have data processing people that, will, that work remote every single day. They get their job done. They get a job done well. But there's certain people that wanting to work remote that they, they just don't work. Joanne, I see you have your hand up. You want to add something before we move on? Again, I've been working remote virtually running this agency before COVID. And one of the biggest challenges I always had was convincing people that we could service their marketing needs no matter where we were in the world. And that entire conversation went away when we all got remote and I was able to prove my point. Now, all that being said, even when I was in the corporate world, I always, I'd say once I gave birth to child number three, which was 20 years ago, I always worked hybrid. I, you know, it was built into my contract that at least two days a week, I was gonna be working from home because I knew that's how I could be more productive. In the office was when I would go for meetings. So I would schedule any meetings, any face-to-face -face stuff that needed to be done. If I was getting ready for a trade show and I need to set up FedEx boxes and paperwork, whatever needed to be done, that's what I did in the office. But the real hands down work when you're shutting your door and your head is down and you're just trying to get poop done, <laughs> then yep. you can do that from home. You don't have to worry about the commute. And, you know, in my case, that saves three hours of my day. So would you rather be paying me three hours to commute or to work? So, again, Mike, to your point, it does depend on the actual role that you play. But I also think it has to do with the mindset. I've, you know, software companies, tech companies, they do a really, you know, more of them do a great job at involving their team virtually. I, I, you know, my son works for a company that's on the other side of the country. Throughout the pandemic, they've got team powwows, team meetings, check-ins, virtual lunches, team building things. They figure out a way to continue to involve the team virtually and provide them with the tools they need to be successful. I will say though, there's two, again, two points here. Number one is how do we as organization leaders work together with our employees? That's one thing. But then there's also how do we work collaboratively and successfully with our customers? And I do think that Mike brought up a good point, which is there are, when people are at home, other distractions that might impede upon our customer's ability to understand us, to listen to us, to capture what we're trying to say. So I do think that his point is really well taken. And that as an organization, if there are customer facing people that are you know, working with with Zoom, there needs to be some standards and there needs to be a discussion because this is a new thing, right? So new yep. things require playbooks and direction to get everyone on the same page and working productively. So Mike, I think that's a good point. something that organization leaders need to discuss if their team members are customer facing. But Great one last discussion. comment I make, Dave, one of the last comments, yes. what kills me right now is my customers working remote because there's nothing better. And you know this with us, Dave, with me, with Ben, all our guys, there's nothing better than going to meet with a customer face yep. to face. Nothing better yep. than that. It it yep. gets you, it 100%. overcomes some of the, you know, with us, someone, some mom and pop wanting to, to do something is different, but a large customer is knowing millions and millions of pieces. Those are the ones that we do meet face to face with, even if they're working remote. So, you know, even these people are working remote, I still try and find ways to meet with them face to face because it does make a difference and it has made a difference whether or not they decide to do it. Yeah, very good. Thank you, David. David Murphy, everybody give it up for David for raising that and a good robust discussion here. I think if I had to answer my own question, I would answer it like some of you did. It really depends. It can be good. It can be bad. It depends. There's a lot of other factors that I think are at play. So let me get into the third issue and I'm going to ask the panelists to try to be as concise as possible so we don't run out of time. The third issue that we are seeing, the third issue that we're debating now here is around how to protect clients and revenue when you lack paper. 
when you lack the envelopes, when you lack the people, with all these pressures in front of us? Let me go first to you, Joanne. What are your thoughts here, and how are you seeing print companies trying to protect their clients and the revenue that they already have? Well, I think I mentioned it at the very top of the hour, Dave, and it really goes down to, to communication. Have conversations with them. Reach out to them. If you're a PSP, now is the time to do a real kick-ass direct mailing campaign to your top clients. Not sure who they are? Maybe now's the time to go through your CRM and clean it up and figure out who are your top customers, where are you making the most money, and where are you losing the most money? And let's focus on where you're making the money and keep that revenue flowing using what you do best. Communicate with them, show them what you can do, how you can help them, and just keep those, again, those lines of communications need to stay open. Mike, I know you and John and Ben, and certainly you've included us in these conversations, really think hard about how do you protect your clients? How do you keep those clients happy? What's your view on how to do that? And how are you doing that there at Summit? Obviously, we're trying to protect all of our clients, but what we're having to do due to paper and supply chain is we're having to go through and look at our bottom lowest producing, lowest margin clients. because It's all about still making sure we have to make money. If we don't make money, you know, then we can't take care of our current customers. So we are now having to look at and instead of taking every single job or take keep all of our customers, say, hey, look, these are the bottom producing ones. These are the ones that are breaking even or less margins. And we're having to help transition those out or do something else with them and utilize that material, et cetera, for higher margin clients, you know, to, to protect, wow. you know, at least the revenue side. The client side, you know, I hate on the client side, we're getting more requests than we ever have more and more people are coming to us obviously because most people don't have paper so the hard challenge is bringing in new customers getting rid of lower margin customers and trying to make these newer customers good solid high margin clients drew what about you how are you protecting the clients that you have and keeping them on contract what's unique about you is you don't have them on contract right you uh, they all renew month to month so how are you holding on to your customers uh, well i mean mike really just hit it on the head and i actually use something that i heard Mike talk about it, uh, a long time ago. But first of all, you have the conversations with your clients about their businesses. So when they're telling you about their challenges and how they're having supply chain issues and how their products are going up um, in value, you know, it's easy to transition into why you need to charge more. But, you know, talk, there's no more HH Global work. You know, nobody wants any of that work because they look at the opportunity cost and say, uh, you know, I don't need to sell you 12 million pieces and make 1.5 cents a piece when I can sell those 12 million pieces over the course of two weeks and get make 13 cents. But, you know, I heard Mike talk about, you know, the Wayfair Act and the SOC 2 training and it's all stuff that I actually thought through with because of you, Mike. And it's become a great selling point. It is absolutely a great selling point when we tell our clients, listen, the day is going to come where no direct mailers can be able to put out direct mailers or talk to certify. There's too much data. And whether you think you can get away with it or you're above the law, everybody's got to pay taxes. And if you don't pay taxes, you're leaving yourself open. So we cover the taxes for you. We figure out what the taxes are and we're paying for you, you know? So we went ahead and we did that. And it's been, it costs, it costs us money, but we've gained a lot more money by offering that out. You know, as my suggestion, he said that's what he was going to do. He's going to attack other printers yeah. by saying, "Is your guy charging taxes?" And it's, it's been yeah. phenomenal. You know, just the fact that you're bringing it up and you're showing that you care about the client, 
Great selling. Mackenzie, let's go one thought from you and then one from Lita. How are you seeing folks protect clients and their revenue right now? Yeah, I think it's just having open conversations, asking your customers, what are their challenges? What are they experiencing? And then number two, being able and willing to diversify and create solutions that may be outside of what you normally do. Ultimately, it's about uncovering what the issue is, supporting them and solving them. And that alone is going to bring you closer to your customers than ever before. Lita, what kind of strategies are you seeing some of the folks you're working with use to protect their customer base? Education is a big one, I think. And then the other one is, and somebody else said it earlier, they're seeing a lot of other customers that are coming to them, new faces, new names. So they're taking care of those customers also. But the ones you are not hearing from are the ones that you need to protect because loyalty right now is, mm. is kind of out the door, right? People are switching and you know if they hired somebody new, they might be going to somebody else or they just might be finding another way to, to deliver their print. So you know, communicating with all of your customers and staying really close with them and educating them is the key, I think. Yeah, that's scary to think about the ones that aren't reaching out to you are the ones that you're most at risk. You might uh, be lulled into a false sense of confidence. Yeah. Uh, now, what I want to do uh, is give you an opportunity to ask questions of the panel. And so I'm going to spend the next uh, about five minutes or so to make sure that we get to your questions. So let's see if you have a question for the panel, or if you have a, a counterpoint, I see Andrew saying, does anybody have uh, paper? Let me actually see if anybody's got paper here. Andrew, do you want to talk about the type of paper you want? I think everybody needs paper, but what are you looking for, Andrew? 40-pound magazine coated rolls. All right. Okay. David is saying printers can't let their clients abandon print altogether and fully pivot to other digital-only alternatives. Yep. Instead, keep print clients engaged with a digital plus print hybrid solution. Amen. Hey, Dave. David, we agree. Yes, sir. That goes to a point. I was at a trade show last week, and I had heard there was a couple people talking about the that cookie-less advertising coming in and more and more people were getting concerned about that being able, their, their digital budgets are now going away because of the way that they used to market, they won't be able to do in the future. And we had a ton of people coming by, seeing us wanting to engage back in direct mail. So if you guys aren't aware of it, I'm not an expert at that side of it, but there is some, obviously in the next years, couple of years, there's some uh, digital restrictions coming for digital marketing with cookie-less advertising, et cetera. A lot more people are, are looking down the direct mail path to spend those additional budgets, which again, with paper is a challenge, but there are a lot more opportunities popping up. And he is right. You know, there is a mix. There is a mix of, you know, what it is, you know, 50, 50, 90, 10, 60, 40. Every customer has a mix. Just got to figure out what that is. Yep. That's interesting. So what you're saying, just to be super clear, is that because of some of the changes in how cookies and that sort of technology are operating, it's actually driving an increase for print, correct? or increased interest in print. That is correct. Yep. And Lita, when we were at the DScoop conference, what, three weeks ago at this point, I mean, there was a lot of data showing an increase in direct mail, as an example, and, and specific verticals that are starting to use direct mail. Do you remember what those were by chance? You want to share those with everyone? They were huge. I don't know. It was huge. I uh, put that back out to everybody. But I will also say you saw this in Europe where all those uh, laws changed on the cookies and the data and everything else. And so people had to figure out how to go back through digital and to get information and get people to opt in. So I do hmm. think that there's a mix there in making that work. Hey folks, I wanna ask you a question. If you don't have a question for the panel, I wanna ask you a question. If you would give us the gift of some feedback here, what was the aha moment that you had today? Or what was the insight that maybe Mike or Drew or Lita or McKenzie or Joanne surfaced for you that gave you a new way of looking at this situation today? 
What is it? What is it that stood out to you today? Lita and Mackenzie, is there anything else that you feel is important to share before we, we sign off today around these conversations? I just think that the one thing that everyone needs to think about as a printer is that sometimes there's this false belief that if we start talking digital, that we're going to lose control over the print or that digital creates a vulnerability for print. And I think that the big thing we need to take away is that it needs to be an and versus an or. And not only that, that I want to say this really clearly, digital can drive more print not the other way around. And so if you're talking the right talk and creating these innovative solutions we talked about, it's not that, oh, we're gonna you know, get, have print and then digital is gonna supplement. No, it's that print plus digital, leveraging that digital piece can actually drive more targeted high value print. And so it's about not just replacing it or supplementing it, it's about shifting your mind to realize that digital can drive print. Yep, absolutely. Elizabeth is saying, awesome conversation. I know our team has a meeting scheduled on Tuesday. Thank you. This has been a great preview. TGIF is a newbie. It's given me perspective. Elizabeth, that's awesome. Thank you for that. David Murphy is saying print plus digital equals higher response, recall, and ROI, the three R's. George is saying, Mike, your comment about the digital downfall due to cookies and the return to direct mail was what stood out to him. Joanne, fidgetal is what stood out to you, certainly to me as well. Andrew is saying the problem is right now is there's no voice for print in the community. I know, Drew, you're trying to fill that void and you're doing a good job as such. But yes, we need a, we need more of you to stand. Alice saying understanding the real world challenges and the options being invested in. Awesome. Fantastic. Well, thank you all for being here. I don't want to take up more of your time. Hopefully you received value out of the conversation today. If you did and you want to be invited to our next sessions, we're going to be ramping these up as we continue into the year here. Make sure you drop your email into the chat, whether it's LinkedIn or Zoom, and uh, the team will get you signed up. I want to say thank you to all of the panel, to Mike Robinson, to Andrew Edinger, to Lita McKenzie and Joanne Gore. Thank you for your time. But most importantly, thank you to all of you who are here today. We appreciate you. Have a great rest of the day and a fantastic weekend. Thank you, everyone. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. Hey, everybody. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Really quick, I just wanted to let you know we've just opened up a texting community, which means that you can text me questions right now. And I'm spending anywhere between 10 to 30 minutes a day answering questions from people like you that are listening to the podcast. So I want you to stop and pull out your phone right now and text me at 949-506-5835. Or if you're listening to us right now on a podcast player, let's say on your phone, maybe you're going for a run or going on a walk, you can go to the description of this podcast right now, go click on it, and my team has put the number and a link that you can click on to make the process even easier for you to text me, okay? So look at that or write it down, 949-506-5835. And when you text me, just say, hello, Dave, it's you know whatever your name is, and it will add you to my phone And then it's going to shoot you back a message where you can add me to your phone and we can then talk from that point forward, okay? I'm going to be giving away tips, links to live interviews, free stuff, quotes, frameworks, training links, only things that you can get through this texting platform. And also something specific for our friends in the print and agency community. You know, we come across leads all the time for print work and agency work, things that as a software company, you know, we just don't do. But I think many of you probably want to know about those things. And we come across these leads in places that you're probably not frequenting. So if you want to be able to get those leads, I also send those through text to this community. So if that's helpful to you, pull out your phone, text me at 949 506 
5835. Or like I said, if you're listening on a podcast player on your phone, you can go to the description. My team has put the number as well as a link that I think you can click and it'll make it even easier for you to text me. I can't wait to hear from you. See you later. Bye-bye.